Well, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, to start. And uh, we're going to preach, or we're going to, I'm going to preach a message this morning about about a topic that is uh, something that has had a pretty major impact on my life since I was about 15 years old when I first started uh, really getting uh, serious about reading about this and studying about this. And it has definitely been something that has been a, a, a motivator for me in my Christian life and something that has kept me on track and has helped me in times when, when needed, but, and also something I believe that uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about. But that topic this morning we're going to preach on is the topic of heaven. And uh, we are going to have uh, kind of a general message this morning about heaven. And we're going to go through several things, but it, it's such a broad topic. What we're really going to focus in on this morning is actually on the on the new earth aspect of heaven. That is actually uh, many of the times in the Bible is referring to heaven and our eternal our eternity with the Lord in heaven. It is actually referring to the new earth. So, uh, but we're going to get into this this morning. And I'm just going to start off by reading a few verses in Revelation chapter 21. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Let's go ahead and pray, and we will get into this message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that we can be here and uh, look into your word. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. Please uh, help me to say only what you would have me to say. And uh, thank you for the privilege of, of studying your word. And help us this morning to learn about you, about your character, your nature, and about the place that you have, uh, the, the, that you have for us uh, in the future. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this message this morning uh, uh, about heaven, first of all, a good reason to preach a message about heaven, there's several good reasons here. One of those is uh, there there are a lot of misconceptions out there about heaven, about what heaven will be like. And I think even among Christians, uh, it's, uh, at least what I've found is that uh, there, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of Christians even who have a, uh, don't have a proper understanding of heaven. And the Bible has a lot to say about heaven. It's a very important topic. Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ himself, when he was on this earth, referenced heaven a total of 101 times. Very important topic. And uh, God uh, has filled scripture with things about heaven. And of course, there is so much that, that we don't know, that we won't know until we get there. But God has given us a lot in here to give us a taste of what it's going to be like. And God did that on purpose. He put it in the Bible, a lot about it in the Bible, on purpose, so that we would read it and think about it, and so that it would affect our daily lives. And it is something that will totally change your life if you have a proper understanding of what our future is going to be like and, and what, it's, what it's going to be. So, um, but there are uh, some misconceptions about heaven. They, they abound. Um, in heaven, we will not be sitting on a white cloud with a halo strumming away for all of eternity. I'm sorry. 
That's not heaven. <laughs> not going to be like that. Uh, we will not become angels in heaven. So it's a common thing, kids. Uh, you know, maybe I've had many different kids over the years in, in various kids' ministries or whatnot. Maybe you bring them to church and you're talking about heaven or something like, oh, we're going to be angels in heaven. Or they're referring to someone that they know that has is, is passed on and gone to heaven. They're like, oh, they're an angel in heaven. Like, no, we're not going to become angels in heaven. Angels and people, two totally different things. And um, we will have a body in heaven. Yes, we are not going to be spiritless floating around. We will have a body, a very nice body. It will be a good body. We'll learn a little bit about that this morning. But we will have a body in heaven. There is uh, an exception to this in Revelation where the souls of those who are martyred that are under the altar of God. And that one is, uh, is a little bit of a different circumstance there. But for the vast majority, everybody, we will have a body as soon as you, as soon as you get there. You will be in a new body. And... Um, uh, the pearl of gates and streets of gold do not actually exist currently in current heaven. Those are yet to come in the future. Those are part of New Jerusalem. We will look about that. In fact, uh, so that, that's uh, the pearl of gates and streets of gold, are, of course, very real. And we'll be there, but not yet. They're not there yet. That's going to be something in the new earth. And we will not instantly know everything when we get to heaven. You will not instantly have all knowledge and understanding of everything that happened to you in your life and everything and why and the reasons why. It's not going to be like that. Heaven's going to be a place of tremendous learning and growing, and it's going to be a very exciting place. So let's get into this. What does the Bible say about heaven? Well, uh, well another uh, good reason for us to look at this first to study this, though, is a very important reason is to help us develop an eternal perspective on life. Uh, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, just the first few verses here. Uh, and we'll look, we'll look at a couple different passages here, but just briefly. But Colossians 3, 1 through 4, very familiar to a lot of us. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye also shall appear with him in glory. We're going to set our affections on things above. So let's learn a little bit about those things above. And what is so uh, attractive about them that we should set our affections on? What's so great about them that we should do that? Well, we need to learn about those things above so we can figure that out. Uh, look at Second Corinthians chapter 4, the last part of this chapter. Just an incredible passage here. Um, but I will, I, will just read, uh, uh, I will just read the, the last verse, verse 18 for now. The Bible says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is, God wants us to think about the things which are not seen. This is talking about the future, talking about heavenly things. The eternal uh, things that are, gonna, that are going to be coming. And just like Colossians 3, 2 Corinthians 4, Romans 8, we'll read Romans 8. God wants us to be focused on eternal, heavenly things, not temporal, earthly things on this earth. These things are going to pass away. Well, later on, sorry, we're going to read Second Peter chapter three. This great passage. Everything's going to burn up. Everything's going to pass away. The current heaven, the current earth, space, stars, sun, moon, sky, nothing's going to last. It's all going. 
There's, but God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth that will be for eternity. And God wants us to think about those things. He wants us to know about those things, think about those things. He wants us to have our mind on eternal things as we go throughout this life so that we don't get distracted with vanity, with things that do not matter. And for the purpose of, as 2 Corinthians chapter 4 brings out, uh, when we go through affliction and trial and hard times, we realize this is but for a moment. It is going to end, and it cannot be compared with the exceeding weight of glory, which is to come, a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Uh, look at Romans chapter 8. Let me go here. Romans chapter 8. Let me read a few verses here. Uh, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 18. Starting there, the Bible says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they... But ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves also groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. This past year, we've been talking about how all of creation is waiting for the day of redemption, when God is going to make things right. The animals, the I mean, everybody, they are groaning and waiting for the day when this curse is going to be gone. And we will be able to live as God intended and in the place that God intended for us to live. As Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. This is a good reason to learn about it. You want to learn about the country that you're, that you're, that you're a citizen of, that you're going to be living in uh, one day. You know, Ephesians 2.19. Let me flip over. We're going to be flipping to well, a few passages here initially, then we'll... Uh, We'll dig into this a little bit. Ephesians 2.19 just says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. So we are fellow citizens together. And, and uh, Philippians, uh, Philippians 3.20, if you look at that, this verse here says, uh, For our conversation is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. That word conversation, this is actually the only instance of this particular, the word that is behind the English word here. It's the only instance of this being used in the New Testament. And it literally means citizenship. It come, it's, uh, anyways, I'm not going to get too deep into that. But anyways, this means citizenship. It means our citizenship is in heaven. And uh, we are a citizen of heaven. And that's our true nation. That's our true uh, place where we are going to live in for eternity. It's where we were meant to be. That's a big part of understanding um, understanding uh, heaven, understanding the future, and having an eternal perspective. Having a proper eternal perspective on life is... Understanding that heaven, this place we're going to learn about here, this is the place that we were made for. Okay, We were made for God, initially. We were made for God, to give glory and honor to God. Our purpose, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, we'll get ahead of myself, but our purpose is for God. And heaven is the place where we will, for eternity, get to learn and explore our God. 
and um, and will it, God will use the place of heaven, specifically the new earth, to teach us about Himself, about His nature, His character, His attributes. Now, God is pretty complex. His nature, His attributes. In fact, the Bible describes it as indescribable. You know, the Bible describes it, it, it's it's incomparable. You know. Um, God is is unsearchable. Or it, it just, his depths are unsearchable. We'll never come to the end of understanding God. So if God was to create a place in which would teach us about himself, in which we could use this place to bring him glory and honor, it would have to be a pretty incredible place. Because God is a pretty incredible God. So God is going to create a place for us, heaven, new heaven, new earth, that will be a reflection of his own character, a reflection of his own nature, and be a place where we will use for all of eternity, without exhausting the riches of it, we will be able to explore the very character and nature of God using this place. It's going to be a very amazing place to live in. It's going to be the farthest thing from boring. You will not get bored. You will not run out of things to do. The devil has done a very good job of getting us to believe some false ideas about heaven because it's very important to God in the Bible to, to, to explain these things to us about heaven. He wants us to think about it. He wants us to be looking forward to it. Because if you understand what heaven's going to be like and you're looking forward to it, you're going to live for God. You're not going to live for the things of this earth because you're going to be preparing for that country, that nation that is coming in the future. So it's very important to understand that. Heaven is the place that we were made for. And... Um, Let's see. All right, let's get into this now. I don't want to get ahead of myself too much. All right, first, practical definitions here. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, well, I can't, we are going to focus on the new earth, but the, the Bible does have uh, various definitions of heaven that it gives. Uh, turn over to Genesis chapter 1. Look at the first couple of them here. Genesis chapter 1. Okay. Uh, right at the very beginning of creation here. All right, Genesis chapter 1, uh, 3, verse 7 and 8. First of all, it says, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. First definition of heaven. Genesis is a good place to go, by the way, to get your definitions from. Go to Genesis. So, uh, first definition of heaven here is our atmosphere. The air that we breathe, the place where the birds fly. That's the first heaven. The Bible refers to as the first heaven. Second heaven. Look at Genesis 1, verses 16 and 17. So then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, uh, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. So the uh, place where the stars, the sun and moon, outer space, that's the second heaven. And uh, so we've got the first heaven is the atmosphere, space, second heaven. And the third heaven we have is the dwelling place of God. Uh, let's see. Look at Second Corinthians 12, verse 2. Apostle Paul here directly references it as the third heaven, place where God dwells. If I could find Second Corinthians here. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 
Apostle Paul here writes that I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Is such an one caught up to the third heaven, literally to the place where God dwells. And um, it's thought that this man he's referring to is probably the Apostle Paul himself. He's just because he goes on in the chapter to talk about uh, his thorn in the flesh that he should not glory. So, but anyways. Uh, so you have the third in this dwelling place of God. Well, I'm going to read to you First um, Kings 8:27. This uh, we could read uh, a couple a hundred verses right now talking about this being the dwelling place of God. But I'm going to just read you First Kings 8:27. It says, uh, uh, "But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven, uh, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have builded." And then uh, let's read Deuteronomy 26.15 quickly. It just says, uh, Look down from thy holy habitation from heaven, and bless thy people Israel, and the land which thou hast given, and swearest to our fathers, land which floweth milk and honey. This, throughout the scripture, we have this is the current place where God is dwelling. Well, well, most of the time, what comes to our mind when we reference heaven is the, this third heaven right now where God is dwelling. And, uh, you know, and those uh, Christians who have died and gone to heaven, that's where they are at right now. The angels, whatnot, that are up there. That is, that is the current heaven, okay? Uh, so about the, about the third heaven, or the current heaven, the place where God dwells. So when we're referencing heaven, not speaking about the atmosphere, not speaking about pay, space, but the place where God dwells, we have the current heaven. Then the Bible also sometimes, when it refers to heaven, is speaking actually about Earth during the millennial reign. There's some rare instances of that, but the Bible, because God is literally going to be dwelling on Earth there, sometimes refers to that as heaven. If you want to learn about that, man, read Isaiah 65. Read the book of Ezekiel. Oh my goodness, it detail explains what the millennial reign is going to be like. It's going to be amazing, absolutely amazing. And uh, but Zechariah, those but a lot of Old Testament prophets, they will they they do a lot to describe earth during the millennial reign. Sometimes that is referred to as heaven. And then the new earth is referred to as heaven commonly. And that is going to be our ultimate destination for eternity. Even if the rapture was to happen today, we'd still have about a thousand and seven years before we get there. But that is going to be our ultimate destination. So um, with that in mind, let me quickly here, as we run out of time, just give a brief overview just for reference sake in case, because there, in case there's some confusion about this. Timeline of future events. What's going to be happen? You know, uh, as we get to as we get to the new earth, what what what's going to happen in between now and then? Of course, the next uh, event is the rapture. Rapture is going to happen first. First Thessalonians chapter four verses fifteen through eighteen. Uh, the Bible is going to uh, Jesus Christ is going to is going to come back and and rapture his saints. We're going to be caught up with him in the air. Then there's going to be seven years tribulation period on the earth while the saints are in heaven. Then there's going to be the millennial reign. The devil will be bound for a thousand years. Christ will literally rule and reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. It will be a tremendous time of peace and prosperity. There will still be lost people there. Initially, everyone who enters the millennial kingdom will be saved because when, at the return of Christ, at the end of the at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, all the lost, who are there, everyone who is left, who has not been already killed at the Battle of Armageddon, who has still not believed in Christ, they are instantly sent to hell right there, and they are judged on the spot. So everybody that enters the millennial reign is saved, 
but there will still be lost people there because the people there who are still on earth and enter the millennial reign, they will still get married and have children and whatnot. And so there will be offspring for a thousand years and not all of those will get saved, which is an amazing thought. They will literally go to Jerusalem and see Christ sitting there. They will have to go to Jerusalem every year. The book of Ezekiel explains that to us. Yet they will still not believe in Christ. Isn't that an amazing thought? So uh, when you think, uh, I guess that almost encourages me sometimes when I'm witnessing to people, and you know, they, maybe they just continue to reject it. It's like there will be those who even will actually see the physical Christ and will still continue to reject them. But anyways, at the end of that, there will be the last final battle where Jesus will, uh, will, 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 will defeat all those who turn against him at the end of the millennial reign. They'll be cast in the lake of fire. At this point, you have great right throne judgment. Death and hell are cast in the lake of fire. And then God destroys the current heaven, the current earth, the space, the atmosphere, everything. It is burnt up. It literally melts. The elements will melt with a fervent heat, as Second Peter will describe it. And God will create a new heaven, a new earth. At that point, eternity begins there. And we will go on uh, for eternity in a new heaven, new earth. So what will this new earth be like? Well, it, we already read Second Corinthians 12 too. Um, but here, uh, Apostle, uh, Apostle Paul describes heaven, the current heaven that he saw as, uh, as basically indescribable. So there are some things that we won't know, like if, uh, that, that we won't know what are going to be, what heaven is going to be like. In 2 Corinthians 12, 4, it said, uh, He was caught up in a paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And uh, it's just, there's things that are unspeakable about heaven. We don't even have the words to describe it. So we cannot give a thorough description of the new earth right now. I cannot do that for you. I cannot play you a YouTube clip and say, this is what the new earth will be like. I cannot do that. And the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details, but it does give us uh, some details. And so what we can do is we can take what the Bible says and kind of make some suppositions. Well, well the Bible says this. Therefore, it could be this. I mean, we can't be 100% dogmatic about it, but like we could, it could be this. And sticking strictly with, with what the Bible says and not adding anything to it. But um, So first thing, when we're in the new earth, or when we're in, this will actually happen before new earth, but important point to touch on here is we will have a new body. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at that quickly here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. The Bible says, For we know... But if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house from heaven. God is going to give us a new body. And uh, Philippians 3.12, let me read this quick. It says Philippians 3.12, says, uh, or not 3.12, 3.21. says, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working thereby he is able to do all things unto himself. Our new body will be uh, comparable to Christ's new body that he had after the resurrection. It would be a pretty amazing body. And uh, we can look at some of the miracles that Christ did post-resurrection, like walking through walls or ascending into heaven. And we don't know if he did that just because he's God and he can do anything that he wants, or if he was simply doing what his resurrected body could do. So we may or may not be able to walk through walls. I don't know. But I do know, in the millennial reign, where those of us who have been raptured and then we come back you know, with Christ after seven years, we will have our new bodies. 
there'll be some people there who won't have the new bodies. We will have some fun with them. Like, hey, look what I can do. You cannot do this. You would die if you did this, but I can do this. So I'm looking forward to that time. That will be exciting. But we will have an incredible body uh, that will not, will not know corruption, will not know pain, will not know sickness, and uh, it will be it will be a pretty good body. Uh, we will be able to do a lot with it. We'll have perfect minds, you know, perfect brains. Man, <laughs> that's going to be nice, isn't it, brother? Right? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> no. But uh, it, it, God's going to be able to use this, or we'll be able to use this, you know, in the, to explore this new earth that God's going to create for us. We'll have perfect minds. Imagine the inventions and discoveries and explorations we can do with a perfect mind and a perfect body on a perfect planet. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be able to do a lot. And um, so we'll have a new body. And uh, we will be with our Lord, of course. Second um, Corinthians, or, uh, well, we could look at, we read it in Revelation 21, but let me just read Second Thessalonians 4.17. This is, this of course would be the main, this, this will be what makes heaven, heaven. Of course, God himself shall dwell with his people, as Revelation 21 says. But uh, let me just read this, First Thessalonians 4.17. So then we which are alive and remain, uh, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. We will be with the Lord. God Himself will dwell with us, and this is and uh, this will be where the ultimate desire of every person will be fulfilled. Uh, let me. Uh, I'm going to turn over to Revelation chapter 21. And right now, and we're going to just go through a few things that this says. We're going to park here for a little bit um, about the new earth. Okay, Revelation uh, 21, uh, verse 1 says, I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. No more sea in the new earth. A lot of people might think, wait a minute. Well, I kind of like the ocean, you know, sailing around. It's like, some people do. And that's, that's good. Nothing wrong with that. That's a God-given desire that if you do that. But our, currently, on our current planet, how it looks right now, if you were here for VBS... You, have, you, you understand this a little bit, but our oceans right now, there is all of a curse, actually. There's all of a flood, a curse. The planet before the flood uh, was, did not have these vast oceans that we have. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, in Genesis chapter 1, God formed the earth to be inhabited. Currently, there is less than 20% of the earth's surface that is habitable. Habitable, however you say that word, can be lived on. Um, that's, that does not fit the definition of created to be inhabited. It doesn't. The new earth, will, I believe, will be very similar to that of pre-flood earth, but, but it will be even better in a lot of ways. Uh, but it will be, God will create an earth that can be inhabited. It will not be covered 70% in water that you cannot live on. <laughs> God was created to be inhabited. And there, there's still going to be water there. The Bible talks about the river there and whatnot. And if you really want ocean, God will probably have a planet for you out there you can go explore that has an ocean on it. You can go explore. Hey, I'm looking forward to space exploration, new heaven, new earth. I don't know about you. I have a perfect body. I might not even need a spaceship, but this is going to be exciting. But anyways, it's going to be fun. But, uh, okay, so there's going to be no more sea there. Interesting aspect of it. And God will be with us. Let me, let me, let me touch on this one more time. Uh, but... Uh, 
verse uh, verse 3 says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. God himself will be with us. Alright, so the ultimate desire of every person will be fulfilled. God has made us with a desire for him, and with our purpose of pursuing God, seeking after God. Let, let, me, let me read you Acts 17 really quick. Acts, this is an important point here. Let me read you Acts 17, 26-27. It's quickly here. It says, uh, And hath made of one... This is Apostle Paul's sermon to the Athenians on Mars Hill. This is how he's introducing God to them. And he says... Uh, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not every, far from every one of us. So God has created us with this purpose of seeking the Lord and finding him. It is an attainable purpose. So God has created every single person, every single one of us in here, and every single person that's ever created. Your purpose is to seek God, is to pursue God. And there's a couple of amazing things about this. One is attainable purpose. I mean, it's attainable now is where we can seek God and know God and, 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 um, and learn about God and have the relationship with God, the close personal relationship with God. But this is not even close. What we have today is not even close to the relationship we will have with God in heaven, the new earth. This is where that desire ultimately will be fulfilled. And God has given us this purpose to seek Him. It is the greatest purpose in all of creation. You know, think about who God is. God is the ultimate, almighty creator. So complex in, in, in His attributes of love and mercy and justice and holiness. And God has given us humans... The purpose of seeking Him, pursuing Him, and desiring Him, and knowing Him. Learning about the ultimate being in all of creation. You know, the Creator. Who created creation? The ultimate being in all the universe. It is our purpose to know Him, to seek Him, and pursue Him. Our purpose is not to be a shrimp eating garbage on the bottom of the ocean. You know, my purpose is not a tree to produce oxygen and produce fruit. My purpose is to know the Creator, to pursue the Creator. That is the purpose that God has given each and every one of us. And heaven will be the place where that purpose will be fulfilled for all of eternity. It will be pursued slash fulfilled for all of eternity. It's kind of the unfulfillable purpose, yet it will be fulfilled. It's a little hard to explain. But that will be our eternity, pursuing God and fulfilling God. This is the ultimate, our, our ultimate desire that God has given in every man's heart and every man's being will be fulfilled in heaven. And partially because of the place itself of heaven. We will get to use the actual place itself to pursue God, to learn God, to bring glory and honor to God. And we'll look at that here. Um, let's see. Uh, another thing about... Uh, so, is this uh, in Revelation 21... Verse 4, it says, God shall wipe away all the tears from the eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. There shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. All sorrow will be passed away. Isaiah 65, 17. It says something where it is about three passages that are almost identical to this one here. But let me read to you Isaiah 65, 17. I know what this one says here. It says, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. You know, be glad and rejoice forever in that I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And uh, let's see, I believe this one here, chapter 66. I could be thinking of a different verse. I think I'm thinking of the end of Ezekiel there. But anyways, there's about three verses here where the Bible talks about, you know, in heaven and the new earth, 
the former things are going to be passed away. No more sorrow. No more. It's not until this point, not until the creation of the new earth, where the Bible says he, he wipes away the tears from their eyes. No more death, no more sorrow. Up until this point, there's still going to be sorrow. There's still going to be crying in heaven. You know, I don't think, instantly as soon as we get to heaven, that's not when God wipes away your tears. There will be regrets. There will be tears. You know, when we stand before our Lord, when we stand before God, and you know, that's what I think when I think about myself, like, man, I'm just going to think, oh, you know, why, why didn't I do more? Why didn't I do more for God? You know, when we actually see Him. And when we think about the events that have happened to us on earth, we think about loved ones that aren't there in heaven with us, there's going to be sorrow. There's going to be things that are going to be difficult in heaven until the new earth. And all those things are going to pass away. All, all those former things are going to be gone. I do believe that uh, God is going to take those things away from us. So the new earth, heaven, for all of eternity, will be nothing but joy and gladness. All those former sorrows, all those former things, they will pass away. They will be gone, but not until the new earth. But, they, but God will uh, uh, pass away all those former sorrows. And of course, uh, the Revelation 21 here uh, goes into detail explaining the New Jerusalem. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it is amazing. And I believe, if I remember right, uh, back it must have been a year or more or so ago now. Uh, but when uh, when Pastor was going through Revelation, he did go in pretty good detail, explain a lot of these aspects of New Jerusalem. So go back, listen to that message on Revelation 21. And uh, but we will look at a couple things here. But this is a city. First of all, New Jerusalem is a city. Heaven will have cities. It will have city. You know, this is it, business, commerce, restaurants. You know, it, governments is gonna is, is gonna be a city. It's gonna be a place. There's gonna be nations and, and and trade and whatnot. It's it's not gonna be you know just sitting around and singing in a choir and boring stuff all the time. Not singing choir is not boring. I like singing in a choir, <laughs> but um, you know it, it's gonna be a lot happening, a lot going on. Uh, it's gonna be a, you know earth. It's gonna be earth, but perfect earth. And in fact, a lot of ways, our current earth is just a shadow, a reflection of that new earth, and we, a lot of times we get glimpses of that. And, uh, but, uh, but, so New Jerusalem here is going to be an incredible place. Uh, so it, if we look at, we'll, do, we'll just touch on a couple things quickly, but uh, verse 16, so the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. And length and breadth and height of it are equal. 12,000 furlongs is about an eighth of a mile. 12,000 furlongs is about 1,500 miles. So this city is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles tall. It is a cube. That is amazing. I don't even know what that's going to look like or what that's going to be like. What kind of incredible heavenly technology are we going to have? You know, we live in a city that's 1,500 miles high. I mean, I'm, you know, we're going to have, tech, we're going to have pretty amazing technology and have vehicles and all. It's going to be pretty cool, but I can't wait for that. But it's going to be amazing. I mean, it's something we can't even quite wrap our mind around. You know, 1,500 miles, that's like from Anchorage to L.A., am I thinking right? About that. I should look that on a map, but maybe not quite that far. Maybe to Seattle, somewhere like that. About Seattle. Anchorage to Seattle, that's the width of this city. It's a big city. And then you go that far up. Man alive, that's going to be a pretty incredible place. So that's going to be the main city. That's where the main events are happening. Well, so the nations of them, which are saved, shall walk in the light of it. And they will, they will have to, uh, they will have to uh, uh, come, uh, all the nations will have to come. And let's, let's look at that, actually. Uh, look at verse uh, 24. 
Let's see. I get. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, I guess. But uh, before we go there, so it, it talks about the foundations, and I'm not going to get into that detail. Like I said, listen to that message by Pastor. He did get into this in pretty good detail. Verse 21. Here's where you have the gates of pearl and the, the street of gold, pure gold, as transparent glass. You know, that's going to be amazing to see. And the Bible says the gates are, are constructed of one pearl, one single pearl. Just amazing. And um, there's no temple there, for God is there. Verse 23, no, there's no sun, no moon, because God is there. And the light of God, and what kind of incredible light is this going to be? So literally, the Bible in 22 tells us it lights up the whole planet. But you could still be right there in front of him, yet at the same time he's lighting up the whole planet. I mean, the sun is 93 million miles away, and you can't even look straight at it. So what kind of incredible light is it going to be? And it might have something to do with our new eyes and our new body. I don't know. But... Um, Somehow, it's going to be amazing. You know, God is light. He's going to light up the whole planet. There's going to be no night there. No darkness, no night. Uh, verse 24 says, The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Nations! There's going to be nations there. It's going to be countries there. Nations. And what are the nations going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be kind of some of the original nations that came out of Genesis? Is it going to reflect kind of our nation's boundaries and borders that we see in our world today? I don't know. I can't tell you that. But I do know there's going to be nations there. And it probably, you know, I do believe that the new earth is going to reflect this earth. Like this earth, especially the original one before the curse and the flood and all that. But it's, it's, there are things that we see in our earth now today that God uses to give us a, be, a brief glimpse, a little shadow, a little reflection of what the new earth is going to be. And those are, uh, those are the little glimpses that God gives us. And so it, it's going to have, you know, nations and probably implies there's going to be borders if you have nations. But, you know, I don't, don't know exactly what all it's going to entail, but, you know, no doubt there'll be commerce and government back and forth. There's going to be kings of these nations. And we know Revelation 22, uh, there's five. No, that's going to be God's servants, Christians. Some of those will be kings. Perhaps it's some of the rewards, like you just talked about in his parables, whose faithful little shall be rewarded with much. Some of us will be rewarded with being a king over a nation, perhaps, or something like that. Um, but So there will be nations there. There will be kings. And uh, these, uh, these nations, they will have to, the representatives of all of Earth's nations will bring the nation's glory and honor to God. Uh, verse 24, is it the kings of the earth to bring their glory and honor unto it. So, uh, you know, this would be, <laughs> this, I can't wait to see, I was thinking about this. Like, what, is it, what does this mean? The, the kings of the nations are bringing the glory and honor of their nations to God. You know, what all, I mean, you could say, where, yeah, obviously they're going to come and worship God and you know, and, and maybe vocally and, and give him glory and honor as opposed to taking it for themselves. But, I mean, I think they're going to be bringing things from their nations, you know, different inventions, discoveries, different things that they have used the new earth, the planet, to learn about God. They're going to bring these things to God and say, hey, God, I, you know, went and discovered this or explored this or invented this using the elements of the new earth and using this brain that you have given me. And this is what I discovered about you while doing this, you know. And they're going to bring that before God and present it to God and give glory to God in that way. So this will be amazing to see. I mean, music, works of art, buildings. Imagine the talents. That, you know, God has given each and every one of these talents and these desires to do things, you know. Maybe you desire to be a carpenter or whatever it may be. Whatever you have a desire to do, to be a musician, whatever it is. Engineer, electrician, whatever it is. God has given you some kind of desire, some, some, some hobby, some little thing that you really enjoy doing. You're like, you know, why do we enjoy it? Why, why is there some little thing, or sewing or whatever it is? Some, there's all, we have these little hobbies, these things we enjoy doing. Those are God-given desires. He's put it that a lot of times we won't, 
get to do them on earth or fulfill them on earth. Very little. In fact, as Christians, we're actually, those we're, we're to put, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, a lot of times that means putting down these things that we enjoy doing, building guns, whatever it may be, for the purpose of the kingdom of God, serving God. This is the, we only have a few years here to serve God right now. In, heaven, in new earth, man, you will have all of eternity in a perfect mind, perfect body, and a perfect planet to explore those to their greatest extent. Imagine what you're going to be able to do. Imagine what you're going to be able to create and invent and, and explore and do. You know, and all, through all those things, you're going to be using those things to learn about the nature and the characteristics of our God. Then you're going to bring those things to God in New Jerusalem and say, hey, look what I did, look what I discovered, and here's, here's what it taught me about you. That's going to be amazing, absolutely amazing place. And uh, so it will be a place of learning and exploration, as we said. You know, I've, it just hit me as I was reading through Revelation. So it's like, John, of course, wasn't in the New Earth. He was in current heaven. But he did get to see the New Earth. John, in heaven, the whole time he's in heaven, he's asking questions. Every other word out of his mouth, he's asking a question, asking a question, asking a question. That's going to be us in heaven. We're going to be asking questions. We're going to be learning. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8, you know, we're going to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and uh, you know, talk with them. Do I need to do something with my mic? Okay. All right. So uh, it's going to be a place of learning and exploration. And heaven should be our, 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 motivator, our motivator. And I'm going to wrap it up here in just a couple minutes. But, uh, you know, we learn all this, and we could, we could go on learning. Uh, there's a lot more the Bible has to say describing the new earth, you know, and animals there, and things that we're going to get to do. But it's a real place. It's an incredible place. It's a place that you were made for, that we were made for. You were not made to live here on this earth. Okay? That's the reason why Romans chapter 8 is there. And it says we groan and we travail. So we're under a curse. You weren't made to live here. You were made to live in the new earth, in heaven. That is the place that God has put a desire in your heart for, that you, that you were made to live for. And, uh, and we get glimpses of that here. You know, when you see... A beautiful scene. You know, we live in Alaska. You know, you see beautiful mountains or, or you see Grand Canyon, whatever it is, the ocean. You know, we get glimpses of this new earth that's to come. You know, when you see something like that, when you see some incredible, some incredible uh, scene or something in nature in the, on this planet, you know, God's giving you a little tiny taste of what it's going to be like to live on the new earth. So keep this in mind, you know, uh, when, uh, when, when you, you know, when you, a lot of times I think this, uh, this applies to things that we desire later too. Like, I can't help but think of, uh, Mr. Butler. I told him I was going to pick on him during the service, so he's down there. I hope he can hear me. But, uh, Mr. Butler, Mr. Roy, you know, he's, he's always longing for the, the big sky, you know, Montana. But honestly, Brother Roy, you know, that big sky you're longing for, not Montana. Tell you what, it's a new heaven. It's a new earth. God's put that in each one of our hearts, you know. And Brother Roy, he's vocal about it. <laughs> We're not all vocal about it, I guess. But you know what? He's going to have that someday. Someday he's going to live in that new Montana on the new earth. He's going to have his big sky. And you know what? Paul Paul tells us we don't even have the words to describe. That big sky that he's going to have someday. You know what I mean? That's going to be each one of us. You know? We're going to have that. That's what God has for us in heaven. And, uh, but it's going to be a place 
or most importantly, you know, we'll be with God. We'll use that place to learn and explore. We'll get to fulfill our purpose and our desire. So that's a little bit about heaven, you know. Heaven's going to be like. So think about that. Take it. Explore it for yourself. Read some books on it. Well, don't read any book. Just ask pastor what book you should read on it. Because there's a lot of crazy books about there about heaven. But he can recommend some good ones. And it will change your life if you think about that. And, uh, and But let's pray. And then uh, we'll be finished here. Right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We thank you so much for...